Okay, welcome everyone. Continuing our study of the Visuddhi Manga. Robin, you want to start us off? Sure, we're on page 216, number 94. This is chapter 7. Did anyone need the link, or everyone's all set with that? Okay, one moment. Okay, and David, would you be able to begin with 94? Okay, how's my sound? Uh, Very good, thanks. Okay. Fit for gifts. As to fit for gifts, etc., what should be brought and given is a gift. The meaning is what is to be brought even from far away and donated to the virtuous. It is a term for the four requisites. The community is fit to receive that gift because it makes it bear great fruit. Thus it is fit for gifts. Or alternatively, all kinds of property, even when the bringer comes from far away, can be given here. Thus the community can be given too or it is fit to be given to by Saka and others. Thus it can be given to. And the Brahmins, fire is called to be given or sacrificed to, for they believe that what is sacrificed to it brings great fruit. But if something is to be sacrificed for the sake of the great fruit brought by what is sacrificed to it, then surely the community should be sacrificed to. For what is sacrificed or given to the community has great fruit, according as it is said. Were anyone to serve the fire out in the woods a hundred years, or pay one moment's homage to to men of self-development, his homage would by far excel his hundred years of sacrifice. And the word aha vaniya, to be sacrificed to, which is used in the schools is the same in meaning as the word ahuneya, fit for gifts, used here. There is only the mere trifling differences of syllables, so it is fit for gifts. Thank you. Naga, can you read uh, 96? For hospitality is what a donation to visitors is called, prepared with all honors, for the sake of dear and beloved relatives and friends who have come from all quarters. But even more than to such objects of hospitality, it is fitting that it should be given also to the community, for there is no object of hospitality to, to Hospitality is so fit to receive hospitality as a community, since it is encountered after an interval between Buddha and possesses holy, endearing, and lovable qualities. 
So it is fit for hospitality since the hospitality is fit to be given to it and it is fit to receive it. But those who take the text to the Bahavantya fit to be given hospitality to, to have it that the community is worthy to be placed first and so what is to be given should first of all be brought here and given. Sabapatanam anetva etta and for that reason it is fit to be given hospitality to Bhagavanya or since it is worth to be given to all aspect aspects Sabapakarena Havam Rahati it is thus fit to be given hospitality to Bahavantya and and here this is called Bakuneya in the in the same sense. Fit for offering. Offering is what a gift is called that is to be given out of faith in the world to come. The community is worthy of that offering or is helpful to that offering because it purifies it by making it of great fruit. Thus, is, thus it is fit for offering. Fit for salutation. So uh, it is worthy of being accorded by the whole world, the reverential salutation consisting in placing both hands, palms together above the head, thus it is fit for reverential salutation. As an incomparable field of merit for the world, as a place without equal in the world for growing merit, just as the place for growing the king's or the minister's rice or corn is the king's rice field or the king's corn field, so the community is the place for growing the whole world's merit. For the world's various kinds of merit leading to welfare and happiness grow with the community as their support. Therefore, the community is an incomparable field of merit for the world. As long as he recollects the special qualities of Sangha in this way, classed as having entered on the good way, etc., then on that occasion his mind is not obsessed by greed or obsessed by hate or obsessed by delusion. His mind has uh, rectitude on that occasion, being inspired by the Sangha. Uh, so when he has suppressed the hindrances in the way already described, the jhana factors arise in a single conscious moment. But owing to the profundity of community's special, community special qualities, or else owing to his being occupied in recollecting special qualities of many sorts, the jhana is only access and does not reach absorption, and that access can't Access jhana itself is known as recollection of sangha, too, because it arises with the recollection of the community's special qualities as the means.
When a bhikkhu is devoted to this recollection of the community, he is respectful and deferential towards the community. He attains fullness of faith, and so on. He has much happiness and bliss. He conquers fear and dread. He is able to endure pain. He comes to feel as if he were living in the community's presence, and his body, when the recollection of the sangha's special qualities dwells in it, becomes as worthy of veneration as an. Pasata House, where the community has met, his mind tends towards the attainment of the community's special qualities. When he encounters an opportunity for transgress transgression, he has awareness of con. Concise and shame as vividly as if he were face to face with the community, and if he penetrates no higher, he is at least headed for a happy destiny. Now, when a man is truly wise. He consent task will surely be this recollection of the sangha, blessed with such mighty potency. This is the section dealing with the recollection of the community in a detailed explanation. Recollection of virtue. One who wants to develop the recollection of virtue should go into solitary retreat and recollect his own different kinds of virtue, in their special qualities of being untorn, etc., as follows. Indeed, my various kinds of virtues are untorn, unrent, unblotched, unmottled, liberating, praised by the wise, not adhered to, and conducive to concentration. And a layman should recollect them in the form of layman's virtues, while one gone forth into homelessness should recollect them in the form of the virtue of those gone forth. I have a quick question about the Pali pronunciation in the recollection of the Sangha. So, when I've heard it chanted by Thais,、um, the words sound more like.、Uh, Ahunayo, pahunayo. So that last e sounds more like an i.、Um, but my understanding of Pali pronunciation is that it should be ahunayo, pahunayo. Which, Which one, one is, is correct? It's a good question. You want to know what it is? It's nuya. In Thai, it's nuya. It's not an e or an i. It's nui. And why that is? Because Thai has its own special vowels. 
And one of the vowels in Thai is the vowel ui, which you get when you combine the vowel for a and the and and a y, the consonant for y. When you put the a and the y together, the a sound and the ya sound together, you get nui, which is just a quirk of the Thai language, having many many vowels that aren't in in other languages. So. It's just a corruption of Thai. I've heard people even try to explain it that that's how it really should be pronounced. Don't pronounce it as Neya. It should be pronounced as Nuya, uh, which is not not certainly not correct because it's not Nuya. It's Neya. Okay. Thank you very much. Whether they are the virtues of laymen or of those gone forth, when no one of them is broken in the beginning or in the end. Not being torn like a cloth, ragged at the ends, then they are untorn. When no one of them is broken in the middle, not being rent like a cloth that is punctured in the middle, then they are unrent. When they are not broken twice or thrice in succession, not being blotched like a cow whose body is some such colour as black or red, with Discrepant coloured oblong or round patch appearing on her back or belly, then they are unblotched. When they are not broken all over at intervals, not being mottled like a cow speckled with discrepant coloured spots, then they are unmottled. Or in general, they are untorn, unrent, unblotched, unmottled. When they are undamaged by the seven bonds of sexuality, and by anger and enmity and the other evil things, those same virtues are liberating, since they liberate by freeing from the slavery of craving. They are praised by the wise because they are praised by such wise men as enlightened ones. They are not adhered to. Since they are not adhered to with craving and false view, or because of the impossibility of misapprehending that there is this flaw in your virtues, they are conducive to concentration, since they conduce to access concentration and absorption concentration, or to the path concentration and fruition concentration. As long as he recollects his own virtues in their special qualities of being untorn, etc., in this way, then on this occasion, on that occasion, his mind is not obsessed by greed, or obsessed by hate, or obsessed by delusion. His mind has rectitude on that occasion, being inspired by virtue. So when he has suppressed his hindrances in the way. Already described, the jnana factors arise in single conscious moment, but owing to the profundity of the virtues, special qualities are owing owing to his being occupied in recollecting special qualities of many sorts. The jnana is only access and does not reach absorption. In that access jnana itself is known as recollection of virtue. To, because it arises with the virtues, special qualities, and the needs.
one of Biku's devoted to this recollection of virtue. He has respect for the training. He lives in communion with his fellow with his fellows in the life of purity. He is sedulous and and welcoming. He is devoid of the fear of self-reproach and so on. He sees far in the slightest fault. He attains fullness of faith and so on. He has much happiness and gladness. And if he penetrates no higher, he is at least headed for a happy destiny. Now when a man is truly wise, his constant task will surely be his recollection of his virtue, blessed with such mighty potency. This is the section dealing with recollection of virtue and the detailed explanation. Recollection of Generosity One who wants to develop the recollection of generosity should be naturally devoted to generosity and the constant practice of giving and sharing. Or alternatively, if he is one who is starting the development of it, he should make the resolution, from now on, when there is anyone present to receive it, I shall not eat even a single mouthful without having given a gift. And that very day he should give a gift by sharing according to his means and his ability with those who have distinguished qualities. When he has apprehended the sign in that, he should go into solitary retreat and recollect his own generosity in its special qualities of being free from the stain of avarice, etc., as follows. It is gain for me, it is great gain for me, that in a generation obsessed by the stain of avarice, I abide with my heart free from stain by avarice, and am freely generous and open-handed, that I delight in relinquishing, expect to be asked, and rejoice in giving and sharing. Um, if, if everybody's not living in the monastery and they really have to work in the real world, and there's so much hatred. So when you have to practice, it's just compassion and compassion, you have to practice towards the hatred. Sometimes I find it difficult and I feel like quitting my work. Quitting, quitting work? Or quitting practicing? Hello? Could you could you maybe type that in whether you were referring to, to oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. She deafened herself. I think she didn't hear me. I asked if you meant you want to quit work or quit practicing. I didn't hear you, sorry, got muted. <laughs> oh that's okay. Bante was asking you if your your question was about quitting work. Or quitting, or quitting practicing. practicing. I cannot quit work because I need to work. So I keep practicing um, to Buddha to be with me or God to be with me. 
in, in uh, reaching these people with compassion, not say anything negative to them, but listen what they are saying to me, and keep, I keep practicing. But at the end of the day, I find myself in peace, but it, all, it almost, um, I feel maybe it is for me to practice. This uh, situation is keep giving me for me to practice, but sometimes I find it difficult to practice. Please mute yourself when you're finished talking. You really should set up push to talk. Um, well, I guess my question is what you mean in regards to practicing, because it's um, not correct to suggest that the Buddha was with you. It's certainly not correct to suggest that God is with you. Those aren't Buddhist Buddhist practices or Buddhist premises on which to practice. The Buddha said you have to practice for yourself. So my question is, I guess, what exactly are you practicing when you somehow expect God or Buddha to be with you? Um, I don't want to take Buddha with me because now I'm at a place um, that I want to be on my own. So I keep trying to not to bring them. Uh, it's like I feel alone when doing that, but um, at the same time, I also try not to bring Buddha or G Jesus with me. I, I'm, I feel like, in a way, I recognize that I'm on my own. That's, that's where I feel right now. That's the way things are. We we're born alone, we die alone. That's nature. I mean, practice is not difficult, but something being difficult doesn't mean it's not worth doing. There's no direct connection between something being difficult and something being worth doing. In fact, for most of us, that which is worth doing is often the most difficult. So good luck, wish you well. I hope it all works out, but you have to be patient and not be too not expect too much. Thank you, Expe Expectations will will ruin things. Hearing it is gain for me, it is my gain advantage. The intention is I surely partake of those kinds of gain for a giver that have been commended by the Blessed One as follows. A man who gives life by giving food shall have life either divine or human. And a giver is loved and frequented by many. And one who gives is ever loved according to the wise man's law. 
and so on. It is great game for me. It is grand game for me that this dispensation or the human state has has been gained by me. Why? Because of the fact that I abide with my mind free from stand by avarice and rejoicing rejo rejoice by rejoice in giving and sharing. Sorry, which one are we at? We're at 110 on page 220. Herein, obsessed by the stain of avarice, is overwhelmed by the stain of avarice. Generation means beings, so-called owing to the fact of their being generated. So the meaning here is this. Among beings who are overwhelmed by the stain of avarice, which is one of the dark states that corrupt the natural transparency of consciousness, and which has the characteristic of inability to bear sharing one's own good fortune with others. Free from stain by avarice. Because of being both free from avarice and from the other stains, greed, hate and the rest. I abide with my heart. I abide with my consciousness of the kind already stated is the meaning. But in the sutta, I live the home life with my heart free, etc., is said because it was taught there as a mental abiding to depend on constantly to Mahanama, the Sakyan, who was a stream enterer, asking about an abiding to depend on. There the meaning is, I live overcoming. Really generous liberally generous, open-handed, with hands that are purified. What is meant is with hands that are always watched in order to give gifts carefully with one's own hands. That I delight in relinquishing. The act of relinquishing is relinquishing. The meaning is giving up. To delight in relinquishing Relinquishing is to delight in constant devotion to that relinquishing. Expect to be asked, accustomed to be asked, because of giving whatever other asks for is the meaning. Yaha yoga is, uh, is a reading, in which case is devoted to sacrifice. In other words, to sacrificing and rejoicing and sharing. The meaning is he recollects truths. Thus, I give gifts and I share out what is to be used by myself and I re rejoice in both. As long as he recollects his own generosity and its special qualities of freedom from stained by avarice, etc., in this way, then 
On that occasion, his mind is not obsessed by greed, or obsessed by hate, or obsessed by delusion. His mind has rectitude on that occasion, being inspired by generosity. So when he has supposed the hindrances in the way already described, the jhana factors arise in a single conscious moment. But owing to the profundity of the generosity's special qualities, or owing to his being occupied in recollecting the generosity's special qualities of many sorts, the jhana is only accessed and does not reach absorption. And that access jhana is known as recollection of generosity too, because it arises with the generosity's special qualities as the means. And then a bhikkhu is devoted to his recollection of generosity. He becomes ever more intent on generosity. His pre preferences is for non-greed. He acts in com conformity with having kindness. He's fearless. He has much happiness and gladness. And, he, and if he pen penetrates no higher, he's at least headed for a happy destiny. Now, when a man is truly wise, his constant task, task will surely be his recollection of his giving blessed with such mighty potency. This is the section dealing with the recollection of generosity in the detailed explanation to So for all of these, um, this is number five, but for all of these, uh, I've, I've potential a valid meditation would be to pick one of these or go through each one of the factors that are that are explained here like starting with laba watame laba watame it is a gain for it is indeed a gain for me suladang watame it is a great gain for and uh, each of the each of the qualities we got the mala matcherina chetasa viharami. I don't know. Mutachago. Right? Some of these qualities. It was similar to our quote of the day the other day, too, about giving with one's own hands. The five types, five qualities of sapurisagdana. A gift from a good person. And there's quite a bit about giving. Charity is an, an important thing. I mean, it's it's partly important to mention it because, because of how important it is to keep the religion going. You know, But it certainly is a, a, a great spiritual practice. I mean, for opening the heart, for cultivating. I mean, because Buddhism is all about letting go, right? Charity falls hand in hand with that. And if one is not charitable, it's a good sign that they're not capable of letting go. Quinn, can you read 115? Yeah, sure. One who wants to develop the recollection of deities should possess the special qualities of faith, etc., evoked by means of the noble path, and he should go into solitary retreat and recollect 
his own special qualities of faith, etc., with deities standing as witness as follows. They are deities of the realm of the four kings. They are deities of the realm of the th- 33. They are deities who are gone to divine bliss, who are contended, who delight in creating, who wield power over others' creations. There are deities of Brahma's retinue. There are deities higher than that. And those deities were possessed of faith such that on dying here they were reborn there, and such faith is present present in me too. And those deities were possessed of virtue, of learning, of generosity, of understanding, such that when they died here they were reborn there, and such understanding is present in me too. In the sutta, however, it is said, on the occasion, Mahanama, on which a noble disciple recollects the faith, the virtue, the learning, the generosity, and the understanding that are both his own and of those deities, on that occasion his mind is not obsessed by greed. Although this is said, it should nevertheless be understood as said for the purpose of showing that the special qualities of faith, etc., in oneself are those in the deities, making the deities stand as witness. For it is said definitely in the commentary, he recollects his own special qualities, making the deities stand as witnesses. As long as uh, in the prior stage he recollects the deities, special qualities of faith, etc., and in the later stage, he recollects the special qualities of faith, etc., existing in himself. Then, on that occasion, his mind is not obsessed by greed, or obsessed by hate, or obsessed by delusion. His mind has uh, rectitude on that occasion, being inspired by deities. So, when he has suppressed the hindrances in the way already stated, the jhana factors arise in a single conscious moment. But owing to the profundity of the special qualities of faith, etc., or owing to his being occupied in recollecting special qualities of many sorts, the jhana is only access and does not reach absorption. And that access jhana itself is known as recollection of deities too, because it arises with the deities special qualities as the means. I guess if uh, someone is uh, coming from a, uh, a God-believing religion to Buddhism, this is useful for them because they are practicing uh, worshipping gods. So maybe they can learn this easily. But which, which deities are these that, that we're recollecting? The word should uh, be angel, angels, really. Well, although it does, it does include Brahma realm, right? So it's angels and gods. I mean, I, I always translate Deva as angels because to separate from Brahmas, but this includes both. It means it's, okay. it's not deities, it's higher beings, divine beings, you could say. So no one in particular, no one in particular but just, just the, the people, people are, are, are the, the deities, deities of, of a particular realm? realm? Uh, actually, actually, when they are called virtues, right? Like, like uh, faith, 
and uh, their morality maybe that is what you recollect right uh, in Christianity, I have heard the deities that are worshipped are like jealous. And if, and if this is Brahmas, we can, can recollect maybe, maybe Jalanastis or the goddess of Jalan or Brahma Vihara. Yeah, I was just confused as to whether these were, you know, particular individual deities or, or angels or Brahmas or just kind of in general. Well, there's the paragraph where it says the, there are the deities of the realm of the four kings, the 33. The Yama, Tusita, Nima, Narati, the Paranimita, Vasavati, the Brahmakaika, and etc., etc. So there's, it's all angels. Anybody who's superhuman, like, uh, or superhuman, above human. Thank you, Bhante. And and when a bhikkhu is devoted to this recollection of deities, he becomes dearly loved by deities. He obtains even greater fullness of faith. He has much happiness and gladness. And if he penetrates no higher, he is at least headed for a happy destiny. Now, when a man is truly wise, his con his constant text will surely be this recollection of deities blessed with such mighty potency. This is the section dealing with the recollection of deities in a detailed explanation. Ponte, can you read uh, 119? Yeah, sorry. Now, in setting forth the detail of these recollections, after the words, his mind has rectitude on that occasion, being inspired by the perfect one, it is added, when a noble disciple's mind has rectitude, Mahanama, the meaning inspires him, the law inspires him, and the application of the law makes him glad. When he is glad, happiness is born in him. Herein the meaning, ins the meaning inspires him should be understood as said of contentment inspired by the meaning beginning. This blessed one is such since he is, etc. The law inspires him is said to contentment, said of contentment inspired by the text. The application of the law makes him glad is said of both. And when in the case of the recollection of deities, inspired by deities is said. This should be understood as said either of the consciousness that occurs in the prior stage inspired by deities 
or of the consciousness that occurs in the later stage, inspired by the special qualities that are similar to those of the deities and are productive of the deity's state. This extra collection succeeds only in noble disciples. disciples. For the special qualities of the enlightened one, the law and the community are evident to them, and they possess the virtue with the special qualities of untornes, etc. The generosity that is free from stain by avarice and the special qualities of faith, etc., similar to those of deities. And in the Mahanama Sutta, they are expounded in detail by the Blessed One in order to show a stream winner and abiding to depend upon when he asked for one. Also in the, in the Deva Sutta, they are expounded in order that a noble disciple should purify his consciousness by means of the recollection and so attain further purification in the ultimate sense does. Here, because a noble disciple recollects the perfect man in this way, the blessed one is such since he is accomplished. His mind has rectitude on that occasion. He has renounced got free from emerge from cupidity cupidity because is a term for the five chords of sense desire. Some beings gain purity here by making this recollection their prop. And in the Samba Dokasa Sutta taught by the venerable Maha Kachana they are expounded as the realization of the wide open through the susceptibility of purification that exists in the ultimate sense only in a noble disciple thus. It is wonderful, friends. It is marvelous how the realization of the wide open in the crowded house life has been discovered by the Blessed One who knows and sees, accomplished and fully enlightened, for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the ending of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of Nibbana, that is to say the six stations of recollection. Which six? What six? Here, friends, a noble disciple recollects the perfect one, etc. Some beings are susceptible to purification in this way. Also in the post Opposite Sutta, they are expounded in order to show the greatness of the fruit of the Opposite as a mind-purifying meditation subject for a noble disciple who is observing the Opposite and what is noble one's Opposite Visaka. It is the gradual cleansing of the mind still sullied by imperfections and what is the gradual cleansing of the mind still sullied by imperfections. Here, Isaka, a noble disciple, recollects the perfect one, etc. And in the book of 11, when a noble disciple has asked, Venerable Sir, 
In what way should we abide? Who abide? In various ways, they are expounded to him in order to show the way of abiding. In this way, one who has faith is successful. Mahanama, not one who has no faith. One who is energetic, one whose mindfulness is is established, one who is concentrated, one who has understanding is successful. Mahanama, not one who has no understanding, having established. Yourself in these five things, Mahanama. You should develop six things here, Mahanama. You should recollect the perfect one, that blessed one, is such thing since. Still, though this is so, they can be brought to mind by an ordinary man too. If he possesses the special qualities of purified virtue and the rest, for when he is recollecting the special qualities of the Buddha, etc., even only according to hearsay, his consciousness settles down by virtue of which the hindrances are suppressed. In his supreme gladness, he initiates insight, and he even attains art to arahantship, like the elder Pusadeva who dwelt at Katakandakara. That venerable one, it seems, saw a figure of the enlightened one, created by Mara. He thought, "How good this appears, despite its having greed, hate, and delusion. What can the blessed one's goodness have been like? For he was quite without greed, hate, and delusion. He acquired happiness with the blessed one as object, and by augmenting his insight, he reached arahantship." The seventh chapter, called the description of six recollections in the treatise on the development of concentration in the path of purification, composed for the purpose of gladdening good people. And that's the end of chapter seven. Sadhu, we're getting there. Sadhu. Sadhu. So, let's. That's all for that then. Let's take a break, and well, we'll stop. I'll stop recording there anyway.